Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love it. Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like you could can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing So some there. readers love that and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today I'm joined by a best-selling psychological thriller author who has sold over four million copies of his books across the world. His latest novel, Keep Her Secret, came out in May this year, and I'm very excited to welcome Mark Edwards to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Hello, thank you for having me on. Thanks so much for being here. Um, let's start off with, for anyone who, who's listening and is unfamiliar with your work and the sort of stories that you tell, why don't you give us a little elevator pitch of, uh, of, of your latest novel, Keep Her Secret? Keep a secret. Okay, so it's a psychological thriller, um, or you could call it a domestic noir. It's set in the UK, and um, it's about a couple who have recently got back together, having um, had a relationship when they were at college 20 years ago. And very soon into their relationship, they go on a trip to Iceland together, and they're climbing up this mountain, or they're hiking up this mountain, and they get to the top and she's trying to take the perfect photo and goes too close to the edge and slips and falls over the edge of this cliff. And her backpack hooks on a jagged piece of rock and saves her. But while she's dangling from the cliff, waiting to be rescued and thinking she's going to die, she blurts out that she has a secret. She then reveals that secret to her new boyfriend my main character and he has to decide what he's going to do is he going to help her protect the secret or is he going to expose her um and then after he's made his decision somebody turns up who's overheard the whole thing um with the intention of blackmailing them and they have to take drastic action to uh to keep her secret as it says in the title so yeah and then it gets very dark and there's lots of twists and turns and characters making terrible mistakes and bad decisions and um getting themselves deeper and deeper into this mess that they have to try to get themselves out of everything you would want from a psychological thriller you've written 16 solo books uh, that's very much kind of, you stay within these, I'd, I'd not heard domestic noir before, but I really like that. And that's kind of oh, very much really? your style and your kind of yeah. genre and uh, they're all, all along these lines. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I kind of have two or three different styles of book, but within that area. So some of them are more domestic. So there's books like the magpies, which is about neighbors from hell here to stay, which is about terrible in-laws um then you've got ones that are a little bit more horror yeah so there's a book called um follow your home which is about a couple who see something terrifying in the woods in romania and there's one called the retreat which is set also in some woods but in wales this time um and then there's there's some that are a little bit more action thriller kind of so no place to run and the house guest which is both set in America, have more people kind of running around with guns and cults and and casts of thousands. So, oh, okay. But they're all psychological thrillers. And yeah, they all have a, a domestic element to them. And they usually have a relationship at their heart as well. Um, 
so it's not it's not romance it's not or romantic suspense that's another genre but there's there's always a, a a relationship at the heart of the heart of these books and magpies was your was the first book you put was that back in 2013 yeah so that was the first solo book so i'd already had two no sorry four novels published that i'd co-written with louise voss by that point and then we went on to write two more it sounds quite weird saying my first solo book. It makes me sound like George Michael or, someone <laughs> yeah. or Harry Styles or something <laughs> left the band. But Not I always true. have to say that because, because yeah, the first, the first four were me as part of a duo. I'm always curious when I hear about um, co-writes on books, because I know that there's lots mm. of different ways that that can play out. The one that I'm familiar with, I think I watched an interview with, Neil Gaiman talking about how, how he wrote Good Omens with Terry Pratchett and the way that they did that. How did oh, right. you and Louise, um, like kind of, what was the process you guys had for co-writing? Well, it de- I mean, it developed and changed, but when we started, the first book was a kind of he said, she said book. So oh, we okay. would write a chapter. I would write from the male character's point of view and her from the female. And then we would write a chapter and send it to each other. And we kind of went back and forth. We did. We just. We did discuss the plot, so we knew what was coming next. Yeah, but um, that was quite easy. And then all the subsequent books, we had a main character who we would take it in turns to write, and then we would have various other points of view. And we would. So I would take some of the characters, and she would take the others. Or there might be particular types of scene that that I was better at writing, and some that she was better at writing. We did stereotypically divide them along male-female lines. So I would write more of the kind of action thrillers and she would write the more romantic. Okay. Sorry, I would write the action scenes and she would write the more romantic scenes, yeah, yeah, for yeah. example. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was chaotic, actually. We used to, because we, we're not really plotters, we're both pantsers. We would, we would kind of have a very rough idea of what was going to happen. And we might, we might have planned it out like two or three chapters ahead but we would never know how it was going to end. And we would just be trying to figure it all out as we went along, which is, I mean, that's hard enough doing it on your own. Yeah. But when there's two of you, it sometimes it got really messy, but we always got there in the end. (laughs) Amazingly. You and Louise did six books in the end, right? Yeah. And if my counting is correct, you by yourself have done 16 books. Um, that's if you include the novellas. Yeah. I think it's okay. 13 novels right. and three novellas. Okay. I, I mean, I honestly, to be honest, I, I lose count myself. I'm actually <laughs> yeah. having to look at my bookshelf and count them because it's hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, I think but, above a certain number, your brain just kind of like, is like yeah. lots. Keep you know? a secret is definitely the 13th though. 13th um, novel. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, there's some novellas and some short stories and things. So having written so many stories, sort of, um, and, and like you said, there is variation, but within the 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 sort of psychological thriller genre, mm. do you is there like a sort of growing challenge with each one to make sure that you're not retreading ground that you covered in previous ones? Absolutely, yeah. That's the hardest thing about being a career author is not repeating yourself. Yeah, um, because there are only so many ways that you can have somebody being um i don't know stalked or <laughs> yeah. things, or if somebody's gone missing things that might have happened to them or um 
even like the phrasing as well, like the people's reactions to things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are only so many ways that you can describe somebody's blood going cold when they, <laughs> they realise <laughs> what's, what's going on. Um, and I'm always thinking of really good ideas for my for whatever I'm working on at the moment, I'll come. I'll come up with a solution for, and then I'll be like, "Hang on, I did that six books ago, oh, or I've no. done that twice before." And then you have to try and think of something else. So, for example, in the the book that I've just finished, which will be solo book fourteen, um, there was a big kind of climactic scene which was going to take place in a crypt, a church crypt. And then I realized, hang on, I did that in the retreat. It's almost exactly the same. Um, <laughs> so I completely removed that whole kind of subplot from the book because it just, it was my regular readers would have thought, would have started getting deja vu. <laughs> but there are certain motifs and themes. I think there are, first of all, there are themes that all writers return to again and again, even if they yeah. don't mean to, because these are the things that we are in our subconscious obsessed with and often I don't even realize that I'm writing about this this subject or this theme until either when I finish the book or even years later I think oh, oh god that was actually about that thing that happened to me like years ago it, it doesn't even really register that I'm doing it but you'll find yourself returning to those again and again and then there are little and then there are also things like for example um I mean, I would say my main character is usually of a type. He's usually a kind of very nice, ordinary, mild-mannered guy who just wants a quiet life and wants a girlfriend or a wife and and a cat or whatever and wants to live in a nice house and not be bothered by like most people really yeah and then something <laughs> terrible comes along and or someone terrible comes along and, and threatens all of that and i and my wife always says to me that my main character is very similar to me mm-hmm. um so although i don't write series i think there is a kind of uh, a central sort of um mark edward standing character yeah. in most of these books <laughs> yeah and um and yeah and there are certain things that you know you're going to get in my books that that my readers expect like so for example i mean it sounds stupid but the fact that the main character always has a pet cat and the cat <laughs> usually um comes into some kind of peril but always oh, no. survives always survives that's so a, far that's a guarantee no well that i mean that is my guarantee <laughs> because if i threatened to kill any of my cats uh, people would stop reading my book <laughs> that's they where you draw the line <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well it's true that there's a cat in here to stay and i had so many messages from people saying you need to tell me that charlie the cat is going to be okay otherwise i have to stop (laughs) reading this book and they genuinely wanted to know they didn't care about the spoilers and i was like don't worry charlie's fine he's fine he survives i'm not i can't guarantee that anybody else survives but the cat the cat will always fine yeah (laughs) and if you have a kind of if the if the owners of the cat or a dog die during the book you have to make sure that you describe how they're rehomed as well and yeah how they how they find the, a happy ending yeah because otherwise yeah. people will worry about it it's so funny apparently there's quite a common thing with movies where there are people who just won't watch a movie if uh, if the dog dies no that's true and there's a website i think called does the dog die <laughs> yeah um 
But then I'm a little bit like, I have to admit, I'm a little bit like that. I don't, I mean, I don't mind. I just don't want to see them being tortured or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's which that's kind of where I like horror. I love horror and I watch a lot of horror movies, but if there's scenes of animal suffering in it, I, I really don't like it. So yeah, I I know. Yeah. Um, getting back on track. Uh, um, you mentioned that you are much more of a pantser than a planner. Is that still true of your writing to like today? Well, I am attempting to change partly because <laughs> my, well, yeah, my, um, I'm, I'm on quite a tight schedule these days trying to, trying to put out more, like a book every nine months. And previously I was always a very inefficient writer. I would just write multiple drafts and kind of figure it out as I went along and throw away probably hundreds of thousands of words within. I I mean, there's been points where to write a 90,000 word book, I've written 200,000 words just to get there because I've thrown away so many. And I'm trying to be more efficient and not waste so much time going off in wrong directions and um, having to scrap huge sections of the book. So the last two... I have, um, pl- I have written an outline before I started. However, I do deviate from that outline quite a lot. So I wouldn't. I I've yet to get to the point where I could write an outline and then stick to it and know exactly what was going to happen. And there's always kind of dark spaces within the outline where I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out. But I I know I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that at heart, instinctively, I am definitely a pantser and I prefer working like that. Um, But in order to try to become more, um, well, more productive, I guess, I'm trying to, I'm trying to plot it out. But I find it hard because I find it really hard to, work out exactly what's going to happen when I'm not seeing it through the character's eyes when I'm in not actually in their yeah. head and, and, and working out the story um, and writing the, because when I'm writing the scenes, that's when the ideas come to me and I kind of, not, and when I'm writing conversations and dialogue and so on, that's when it, when I, when the ideas kind of really, really flow. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you that? So a book every nine months that's your that's your target that's what you're aiming for is are you contracted to that or is that something you've set yeah, yourself that's my current contract but okay. i did volunteer for that <laughs> <laughs> and regretted it immediately but okay. um but yeah i i mean to be honest i would i could very comfortably write a book a year without having to really break too much of a sweat I would say and take the summer the school summer holidays off and um also probably fit in a novella or something in that time as well I think that especially with um dig- because the majority of my books are dig- of my sales are digital I think that readers tend to be much more um fickle with ebooks and um I think there are certain authors like brand authors who you'll go and buy 
at the airport before you go on holiday or or you're by um buying shops where you might just think okay this is this year's lisa jaw book or this is this year's mark billingham book or, or whatever it is um with ebooks i think that to keep people interested especially when you write standalones like me rather yeah. than a series you've got to keep the books coming fast because that's what because otherwise people just kind of forget about you and move on to the next shiny yeah. bright debut and that's the kind of harsh reality yeah exactly there's so many coming out every day i know i know i mean i am very lucky that i have a really loyal hardcore um fan base that i've built up over the years so i know that each book that there's there's going to be well at tens of thousands of people who will just go and buy that book automatically but if you want to reach a the kind of bigger the bigger audience um the faster you can get them out well i mean i don't know whether that's completely true if you were putting one out every month i'm sure people would soon get sick of the sight of your, <laughs> <laughs> your books yeah but but yeah so every nine months that's what i'm trying to do okay and speaking of you know how one way that authors and w- will retain their brand audience is that they will mm. do a series have you ever thought about doing a recurring character like keeping it all in a sort of one bigger story well i mean i did louise and i both started a couple of series we we started a detective series and we also had a series with a virologist because our first hit was a book called catch your death which was about a deadly virus this was back in 2000 and 12 yeah that came out so i think post sars but a long time before covid yeah although i was one of those kind of armchair virologists having written this book <laughs> <laughs> um, but i just felt like we got diminishing returns with the series and i know that yeah. you have to really commit to it and if you and you might have to write six or seven before the series really takes off but I, f- I feel like with a standalone, there's always the chance that you're going to find brand new readers with every book. Because I know that if a series, for me, if a series has been running for a while and I see book seven or eight or nine come out, I think, oh God, do, my, do I have to go back to to, to book one to yeah. get into that series? Or can I kind of jump in? Here, I mean, for me, that's the issue with with series. Um, but also because I just like being able to create new characters and explore new things and have different settings with every book. I like I like the fact that I can just. I think settings really, really important, and I like the fact that each of my books I could set this one in New York, and I could set this one in the Lake District, and then the next one can be in um i don't know london or hastings or birmingham or wherever i can yeah, i can yeah, move yeah. around I move around the, the world not just not just the country yeah i mean that's a great way of just kind of differentiating as like a baseline because there's you do travel around a lot throughout your books so just yeah we were talking about how it's hard to like make sure that every book is different it's like the starting point is that you they're almost all set or at some point go to different places that you haven't gone in other books yeah, exactly. And I do have a universe, a Mark Edwards universe. 
So I have recurring characters. Um, so, for example, the serial killer from The Magpies, Lucy Newton, she makes cameos in lots of other books. Uh, and then okay. I wrote, and then I also wrote two sequels to um, to The Magpies as well. And she's actually going to pop up in the, the book that I'm going to start writing, well, this month. So, um, and then I have, for example, um, in the retreat, there's a horror author who has a huge bestseller called Sweet Meat. Sweet Meat, in in my universe, then gets made into a Netflix series. Uh, <laughs> this is wish okay. fulfillment, and one yeah. of the female characters from a different book stars in that Netflix adaptation, and then somebody else is watching it in one of the other books, and someone's reading it, and so uh, you have okay. all these little kind of. Um, I mean, I borrowed that from Stephen King. I mean, when I grew up yeah. reading Stephen King, he always had these little callbacks and East. I mean, I don't even think they were called Easter eggs back in those days, but you'd you'd get that little kind of you'd get a little shiver of recognition when you saw a character pop up in one book, maybe just a mention, yeah, who had been a major character in a in a previous book. Yeah, and I, I love doing that, and I think people, I think readers really love it as well. So. So yeah, there is there is a universe. It's always fun knowing that it's all of these things exist together so that you're reading one and you think, yeah. oh, that other thing also happens like in this reality. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And fun yeah. for you, I imagine, as well, tying all those things in. It is like, it is it is in. good fun. Yeah. I think that I don't think there's any I don't think there are any in Keeper Secret though. Um sometimes they just don't they just don't fit. But yeah. But then um, I've brought back a detective from one of my older books uh-huh. who has quite a major role in the book that's coming out in February, which is called The Darkest Water. Um, that's the one that I've just finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just finished editing it um, last week, in fact. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a very short break before I'm starting the next one. Oh, okay. Uh, well... It sounds like you need to you need to like take every moment of those breaks because a nine month schedule yeah. is uh, is quite a lot. Um, I know. As we move towards the twilight of this episode, uh, I'd love to ask, as someone who has been writing um, and sustaining themselves in in the publishing industry for for a long time now, what advice would you give to aspiring authors looking to get their work picked up by either agents or publishers? Um, well, the thing that I usually say to people is, and because this is this is based on experience from my own times as an aspiring author back when I was in my 20s is be very clear about what kind of writer you are or that you want to be and where you fit I think that people sometimes have this idea that they're going to be utterly unique or that they're they're kind of blending together various different genres and they might not even be genres that they particularly love like I met a guy the other day who said he'd written a fantasy novel and then I said and I said well which not which fancy authors would you compare yourself to and he said well I don't really read fantasy and I was like well that that just seems <laughs> crazy that why would you want to write a fantasy novel yeah if you're not a big fan of that genre and you're not really aware of the market and you're not you're not um you don't know whether your 
I mean, I don't, I don't even really know any fancy authors to, to kind of, to, to name, but, but, um, for me, I, I, I feel like I'm very, very aware of the psychological thriller, um, market and who the big authors are and what the big books are and what themes have been written about and what's already been done. And, and I think that having a good knowledge of, of all of that really, really helps. So yeah. you can, when you inquire to an agent, you can say, I would sit on a shelf between, um, I don't know, Gillian Flynn, sorry, it's Gillian Flynn, isn't it? Gillian Flynn and, um, and Gillian McAllister. I, I sit between those two authors Okay, and yeah. uh, and then an agent will have a very clear idea of of who you are. Yeah. So so yeah, and and be also be able to pitch your books as as quickly as possible. Kind of nail down your elevator pitch, and if you can describe your book in a sentence, and if not one sentence, two sentences, and the further you go from that one sentence, the harder it's going to get. Yeah. Um that will really help you as well so um if you can say this book is jaws set on a plane or something then <laughs> <laughs> i mean I'd, then, I'd love to see how that works <laughs> yeah i know i just i just think well i think that there was a book that don um winslow described as like oh I mean, it was the chain by adrian mckinty and his his blurb was jaws for parents i.e. it's something terrifying is going to happen to your kids yeah yeah, yeah and that yeah. was that was the pitch and that was and that's great that's although clever. he does use that jaws for x line for lots of different books i've noticed <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i was watching a tv show actually recently called based on a true story and i was watching it and i, I thought wow i wonder if the pitch for this was they went to the studio and said oh this is only murders in the building meets you and I was like, that's yeah. literally what this show is. <laughs> they just yeah. ticked two really popular things and put them together. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that does work. Cause I'm always trying to think of ideas like that. If I, a, a high concept idea where it's, um, yeah, X and the X might come from the structure and then the Y is the, is the theme of the story or the type of story it is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a direct like mashing of two things, right? It can be like, oh, this thing from this, but this thing from that. Yeah, it could be the historical period times the, I don't know. I mean, I could make something up now. It could be something set in Victorian times, but with a, um, oh my God, I don't know, like a, a, a kidnapping or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you would say it's, insert name of something very famous in the victorian period meets something very famous with a kidnapping in it so. <laughs> the one i've seen recently is uh the very popular one is it's something meets bridgerton yes because bridgerton was obviously very in the zeitgeist and so lots of people yeah. were pitching oh it's this in bridgerton yeah yeah which you know it's like love island in bridgerton like there you go yeah perfect <laughs> perfect sold it's gone to auction yeah, yeah exactly millionaires that was easy <laughs> yeah so yeah i think having the big ideas being able to describe them briefly and then also being able to um to know who you are and be able to describe yourself because like it or not this if you're interested in being a commercially successful writer and you want to sell books and you want book deals and you want to see your books on the shelves. And you're not just kind of writing it for fun or for friends and family to see. 
then you've got to have uh, some commercial sense and um, you've got to be prepared to kind of see yourself as a, and your books as commodities that, that you're going to try and sell. Yeah, you have to, you have to, it's always good. And lots of the agents that I've had on the podcast have said, just um, as like a piece of advice that some people often don't look into is just do look into the market and be aware of where you think mm. you might fit in the market. Very exactly, simple. yeah. And also be aware of what, which agent, who different agents represent and what kind of books they like. And yeah. and um, so that when you are pitching, you know who to, who to send your stuff to. Yeah. And yeah. The, I think the other important thing sorry, this is my very long answer to your short question, is just get out there into the into the community and make yourself known. So, for example, if you're a crime novelist, go to the crime festivals, go to Harrogate and Crime Fest and, and meet, meet people, write reviews of books, get yourself known on Instagram or as a blogger, get into that community and make connections because it's fun and it's and it's lovely to meet all of these people um but also when you when you've written your book and you're looking for somebody who might be to give you some advice or or a blurb or something then then you've got contacts yeah yeah 100% getting involved with like the community of and even if it's not like a specific genre community just the writing mm. community as a whole yeah you know there's lots of critique groups that are a mixture of genres a mix, mixture of uh, age groups um in terms of what the, the writing is targeted at that's great Absolutely. advice yeah really good and that brings us on to what is always the final question uh, and that is mark if you were stranded on a desert island with one book which book would you take well i'm gonna say my favorite book of all time which is the secret history by donna oh yeah it's a good one um it i mean i've already read it six or seven times <laughs> so but every time i've read it i I just love it. I find myself sinking straight back into it. I so enjoy spending time with those characters and in that in that world that she created. I think I could I could happily read it over and over and over again. Uh, so um and I just think it's the greatest novel that I've ever read by a long long way and I know that nothing else will ever come close to it. Um yeah, I just adore it. I read it at exactly the right age as well. I was I was a student. I must have been twenty one or twenty two when I read it. So I was I was right at that that I think sometimes people read the secret history when they're in their forties or fifties, they don't quite get it as much as when you read it when you're young. But um yeah, and I, I read it and I pressed it on like every single person that I'd ever met. Like, <laughs> you've got to read this book. It's great. And 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 my daughters, I've got two teenage daughters and they've both read it and they absolutely loved it as well, which was a great. <laughs> I bet you were nervous. <laughs> if, they, if they didn't like it, you'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. It was also one of the first books that I lent my wife when we were, when we first met and she, she also loved it and it's her favorite book as well. So we were meant to be together because we both love the secret history so much. So oh. It's it's definitely one yeah. of those books that a lot of people talk about, but does live up to the hype. It's just brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a great, well, great choice. Um, obviously you're very passionate about it and potentially, uh, I mean, it sounds like you're sponsored by The Secret History, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
thanks so much mark for coming on the podcast and uh telling us all about your your writing and um what you're kind of working on at the moment and how the whole process goes it's been really cool chatting with you oh thank you it's fun it's good fun and for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Mark is doing, you can follow him on Twitter at, uh, at Mr. Edwards or on Instagram and Facebook at Mark Edwards Author. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon. And for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Mark and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.